Welcome back. It's the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. It is our Radio Row at Home week. So we're not down in Tampa, but we are getting ready for the Super Bowl, bringing you the biggest names and best guests. And on with us now is Russ Landy, who is the Director of U.S. Scouting for the Montreal Alouettes of the CFL. Just took that position. Russ, thanks for being with us. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, I appreciate you being with us. So as someone who's involved in U.S. scouting, it certainly means you're well-versed in college football and the NFL draft. Let me ask you this, because we've been talking about the Matthew Stafford trade to the Rams, and the Rams gave up multiple first-round picks for Stafford. How valuable are draft picks? Because I treat them like gold, and I'm wondering if I should. Well, they're very valuable in terms of roster building. You have to build your roster, not just in the first round, but with the later round picks and the undrafted free agents. I think the Rams are looking at it short term. They don't have a lot of years left with some of the talent they have. But if you don't focus on drafting correctly, you're going to have a long, a hard time sustaining long-term success. And the Rams have done a great job in recent years with mid, late, and undrafted guys of sort of making up for the fact they haven't had a first-round pick yeah. since 16. What do you think is the best way to build a roster? And what I mean by that is from the quarterback position. So I'm looking at the Patriots. We're a Patriots affiliate. And I say the answer is draft a young quarterback, trade up if you need to, and get the quarterback on that cheap contract for five years and build out that way. Other people say, no, we want to just go sign a veteran or make a trade of our own, and we want to go get an already established guy. Is there a one-size-fits-all to roster building? No, I I mean, there is in one respect. To me, it still is, regardless of passing and the fact that you're going to throw it 40 times a game, your O-line, D-line needs to be the strength of your team. Hmm. Because as I learned early in my career, if the quarterback's the most important guy in the field, then the guys who can knock him out of the game and protect him are the two next groups that you have to really make sure you get on your roster. And I also think if you're an organization that only says, we're going to get our quarterback in this one way, you're probably going to fail. Because in the NFL, things change all the time. You have to be open to doing different things. I mean, I like what Detroit did, and I like both sides of this trade, but Detroit is basically saying we're going to take a young kid who clearly has fallen out of favor in St. Louis or Los Angeles and try to fix Goff, but I'll bet you they also draft a quarterback. And they're going to say, hey, let's see if one of them becomes the guy because your best chance of finding one is having two or three options. When you're a scout for a team, what kind of conversations are you having with the head coach of the front office to pitch your guys? Because we're all wondering how the Patriots are going to attack this draft. And we know Bill Belichick has a lot of control of that draft. But if you are a staff member for him, what are you saying to him throughout the process? Well, the biggest thing and the great part about Bill being there so long is as a scout, you know exactly what he wants in players. So you can go to him and say, hey, Bill, he fits the mental makeup we want. He fits the type of locker room you like to have in your building, and he fits the offense or the defensive scheme we're working with. So he's got a lot of the traits. The hardest part for any scout and for any person in life is to figure out what is above a person's shoulders, and especially for a quarterback, how mentally quick are they? How tough are they? How good are they at forgetting their mistakes and going on and playing well? So all of those things for a scout, you have to find out that information, dig deep, and then present that to your boss so he understands what he's getting in the player. Scouting is such an imperfect science. It doesn't matter what sport it is, baseball, basketball, football. Why? What, what are scouts looking for? Are you looking for traits? Are you looking for physicality? Are you looking for proven track record and production at the college game? What are you looking for? Well, I think it's sort of an amalgam of everything, and that's part of what makes this so difficult. There are so many players that have had great success in college statistically that never really panned out. 
There are others that had unbelievable success and were tremendously productive in the NFL. So there's so many varieties of things. You have to look at the skill set because there is a minimum skill needed in the NFL because even the big linemen who weigh 330 pounds are rare athletes for people right. their size. So you have to find the athleticism. You have to have minimums, minimums in size. You're not going to have a five foot nine center or a five foot four cornerback. There are minimums you have to meet. Once you find the minimum size wise and the athletic traits, then you really have to dive deep into the character, the intangibles, the work ethic, the toughness. Will they play hurt? How do they overcome when things go sideways? All of those things, which are very difficult to get a true feel for, combined to give you the perfect uh, sort of scouting report. But even the perfect scouting report is still going to be wrong 10 to 20 percent of the time because we're dealing with human beings and we're dealing with them having to play against the best in the world on a bright stage. It's impossible to be 100 percent. We just had the Senior Bowl this past weekend, and that's really going to be the only chance for for coaches to get in front of people this year. There's not going to be the traditional NFL combine. There'll be some pro day stuff, but how big a deal is this altered schedule pre-draft for teams in the NFL? You know, I really think that this is another year, just like last year, where those teams that are well-run and really organized and have a set plan have a gigantic advantage over the other half of the league that mm -hmm. is not particularly well-run. <laughs> um, when you look at teams like Pittsburgh, who have been doing it a certain way for many years and know what they're doing, this is not going to make it too difficult for them. I think what you're going to see is those teams that are well-run and also really have a strong focus on they understand how to watch film, build their draft board, and combine the numerical analytics from production on the field and the little bit of protein information, the way they integrate those, the teams that do that well will succeed in the draft. The teams that are scattershot, don't have strong film evaluators, and don't really have a set plan and are really not organized, they're going to really have trouble this spring. Russ Landy, he's the Russ Landy. He's the uh, director of U.S. scouting for the Montreal Alouettes of the CFL, and he's here with us on a radio row at home on the Brady Farkas <laughs> Show on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. You know, it's so interesting because when a guy comes from a program that you know we don't think of as particularly strong, we always you know give give that guy the benefit of the doubt. Daniel Jones or Josh Allen, we just assume, hey, they'll be better when they get playing with better competition. On the other hand. A guy like Mac Jones, who the Patriots are always involved with now in every rumor, is we're going to devalue him because he came from a program that was so good. Is that fair or foul? Well, I think it's very fair in the media sense because unless you're there going to the school, you don't understand what's going on. They're the best scouts in the world, they evaluate the skills of that specific player. And you try to eliminate the fact that they're playing at Alabama or Northwest Missouri. Evaluate the skills of the player. Don't let the fact that the receiver may be a little bit slower or faster at a certain school get into your head and, and make you think that, that that affects how accurate a quarterback throws the ball. The quarterback throwing the ball is not physically tied to the receiver's ability to get open. Yeah. The quarterback throwing the ball is physically decided by his ability to throw the ball accurately. So it really comes down to separating the skills. Now, obviously, players at the elite schools often have a lot more talent around them, so they can be a little bit more dominant because things go their way in terms of the offensive line is better, the holes are better, there's better protection for the quarterback. But if you look at the skill set, that's the most important thing that the really good scouts do, identify the skill set, then you can accurately project as best you can in the scouting business, how well they'll do as a professional. You know, you mentioned the the biggest position being quarterback and after that it being the lines. 
I've been conditioned to think that way my whole life also. I'm starting to change my tune of thought, though, into thinking that it's no longer the defensive line that's as important. I'm starting to think it's the defensive backfield with how fast the game has gotten and how much passing goes on. I'm starting to think that the, that, that the DB position is more important than the D-line position. Am I? We obviously disagree, but am I? is it trending towards the way I'm thinking at all? Well, I don't know if it's ever been dramatically different. Most teams have always had quarterback, D-line, O-line, DBs. Okay. Because DBs are unbelievably valuable. I think the biggest reason that the D-line gets a little bit of a notch above it is if you are able to create pressure and make the quarterback uncomfortable, you can get away with actually a below average secondary if you have a dominant front four. But if you have a dominant secondary, but you have nobody up front that can get to the quarterback – even the best DBs can't cover NFL receivers forever. And that's the issue you run into. But don't get me wrong. Those corners are rare and hard to find. And when you find a special one, they're worth their weight in gold. So the difference between DBs and D-line, it's minimal. But D-line takes a slight nod from me. You know, this is an open-ended question. I hope it's not a stupid one. I want to know if there's any great scouting stories that you have. Because I think about baseball and I think I can pull stories of – this guy was on this little known player forever and he watched him 10 times in the Dominican Republic and no one had ever heard of him and he found him and he ended up going to the Hall of Fame. There's those sports in baseball where there's more diamonds in the rough. Do you have stories like that in football or is everybody watching the same pool of players and it's just about draft position, et cetera? I will say the bulk of it is in fact about just draft position, how thorough you are as an organization, but there are stories like that. Guys get found and I'll give you a perfect example. My first year with the Browns, we get a list of where the players are in the preseason. So we put our schedule together. Well, yeah. I had five days blank with no schools mm. because I had filled out all the days with prospects. So I identified five schools that had good basketball teams. And I figured, let me go to those schools. Well, it turns out on 9-11 of all days, wow. I went to Drake University. They did not have a basketball player. But when I called ahead, they said, we actually have a kicker who got rejected by the people who came in in the spring for the NFL to look at him. So I said, well, I'm going to be there. Let me Mm. watch him. So I watched the kid practice. I watched every game he kicked his entire career. And I added him to the list. He had not been on the list. And he ended up playing over a decade in the NFL. So there are guys that you can find that aren't on the list. But in general, almost all the players are on that preseason list. And it's a a matter of correctly evaluating the talent, and also getting the intangibles part correct. Because that's 90% of a player's success and failure in the NFL is how do they handle being a pro and all the things that go into that off the field. When you're a, when you're a scout and then eventually talking to a coach, are you looking for in the draft need or best player available? You know, it's a great question. I think what teams try to do is they build sort of a tiered system. Um, some teams will call it a horizontal draft board. Some people call it a staircase. And what you will do is you will group players together that are close in grade, like an 8-5 to an 8-9. Because Mm. how do you separate truly when a scout is saying, oh, I think he's an 8-7 or I think he's an 8-5? You're really – it's so fine. You try to group them all together in that little group. And on each step, then you rank them on those steps based on how they would best fit within your building, whether it's need, whether it's – their size, whether it's their mental makeup, all of those traits. And you never want to draft a step below when there's a player still left there. So generally, you want to take the best player on the step that you've ranked based on needs. And if you drop down a step to draft a player while there's someone there, 
that's a big red flag, and it usually doesn't work out. Russ Landy, director of U.S. scouting for the Montreal Alouettes, uh, helping me rebuild the Patriots in my own mind. As he says all these things, I'm thinking about how the Patriots can get back in 2021. We're looking forward to the Alouettes being back on the field again soon. Had to miss the CFL season this past year, and uh, a lot of people in this area um, including my coworker Rick just down the hall, who is just a diehard CFL fan. So a lot of people missing the CFL. So we look forward to uh, to seeing you guys back on the field. And Russ, here's to uh, hoping you hit some home runs this year for the Owls. Thank you very much. We're uh, obviously excited and uh, looking forward to getting back on the field this year. And, and I will say for those Patriots fans, you're not that far away. Bill is obviously one of the great coaches of all time. He'll have them back on track sooner than people think.